0: You have to ask the right question the right question really like if you frame it exactly right all of a sudden it goes from being you know some cosmic unanswerable thing to being a very tangible thing that you can actually go look up and find out the answer to
1: good day and welcome to the leading with nice podcast my name is matthew ewell Today, we're talking to Latif Nasser, the director of research at the New York public radio show Radio Lab, but that only scratches the surface of who he is and what he does. I invited Latif on today because of his value of curiosity recently displayed on Netflix's science documentary show Connected, which he hosts and executive produces. Latif, welcome to the show today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So the reason why when I first was introduced to Connected and watched, I think I binged like three or four episodes. Finally, my in bed, my wife was finally like, turn off the computer. But I loved it. And what really enticed me is that I was like, man, this guy is seeing something and asking questions. And I really I personally really value curiosity. I think it's a great uh, leadership trait because great leaders, they want to know more about the things that they think matters. Mm-hmm. So do you think yourself as being a person who's curious in things? And have you felt that way for a long time? Have you always been that way?
0: I do value curiosity. I think curiosity is a, it's one of my core values. Like It, mm. it happens to be true for me all the time. Like I'm always curious about everything, but, but I think it, like ultimately it's it's an important force you know and and i think that it's uh i, I do think it's something about sort of my nature but it, it's it's now it's also like my my livelihood
1: so was this a thing you had even as a little kid like would your parents say oh he was always asking questions or always you know looking into things or is this something maybe you developed as a teen and adult
0: yeah it's it's funny now with kids like it it, it like I, I do think that I was a fairly curious kid, but now with a three-year-old myself, I'm like, I think they're all curious kids. Like I think every kid is curious. Hmm. The number of questions, like per minute, that I get from my kid, like, like I, I feel like I almost I know what my interview subjects feel like now. Um, like, like I do think I do think that so many of us we do have these questions, and then as you grow up, you kind of get almost inured to them, or you call, you kind of I like so many other people. You sort of walk down the street, I think, and 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 you get these questions. You know, you're like, oh, why is that that way, or why does why does this look this way, or oh, here's a new thing I never even thought of that. I wonder how that came to be. You know, or, or you know, you have you have one of a, a dozen types of questions. And I think that the difference between me and a lot of kind of other people, uh, or, or at least maybe the like journalists and a lot of other people is it's like, Oh, taking those questions seriously, like writing them down and thinking about them later. Now we're at a point where like most people, I think they'll like probably whip out their phone. Maybe they'll, they'll Google it and then it'll be like, okay, uh, you know, I got the first answer that was on Google and I'm pretty satisfied with that. Curiosity is like, in a way, it's like having the the impulse for that question in the first place. But then it's also like, I care about this enough that I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to pursue it farther and harder and longer than, than I, than just the first Google search result, you know?
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. And actually it you know really speaks to, uh, and I'll follow up with this. Uh, you have a new show coming out, the other Latif, mm-hmm. where you talk about a gentleman, detainee 244 at Guantanamo Bay. And you talked about it being on your mind for many years. It was also almost like an insatiable thirst that you couldn't quench and it you describe it as being like your hardest story that you've done, yeah so I'm curious about the depth of desire that you had to answer these questions and find out more
0: yeah well so for so that story, the way that that happened was um it was late. 2016 maybe early 2017 around then and uh i was on twitter and i saw somebody tweet about me but it was directed to they were tweeting at the president of the united states and they were tweeting about me and i was like what and i just did not understand the tweet i was like what does this mean like why would somebody be saying anything about me to the president and it just didn't make sense. So so I, I kind of followed up and it turned out that obviously it was, it was not about me. It was about a different guy who had my same name and who happened to be a detainee at Guantanamo Bay.
1: And your name is is unique. Like there's not a there's lot. not of, a lot that's of that's people happy. with my name.
0: Exactly. So it felt like if it, it felt weird. Like I just all of a sudden I just I wanted to know everything I could about this guy. Like who is this guy? How should I feel about him? Because I've never had a sort of named doppelganger before, like what should I feel about this guy? And so I googled him, and there was almost nothing about him. Every, all the results were about me, and I, and then I, I saw there were just a few results about him, and what I found was actually like kind of it was creepy. Like like uh, I found these leaked these WikiLeak documents where it said that he was basically you know Al Qaeda's. Top explosives expert, uh, an aide to Osama bin Laden, like like a uh, pretty long and damning rap sheet. So that was like, oh my god, like I I share my name with this boogeyman almost, you know, this like this guy who did you know wreaked a lot of havoc in the world and made like killed a lot of people, destroyed a lot of uh, like just destroyed a lot. Um, and then and then I managed to because I just like I didn't have a sense of him as a person in a way, mm. and so I contacted his lawyer. And when I did that, she told me basically the exact opposite story, like that everything I'd read in that document was wrong, that this guy had never been in uh, Al Qaeda. He didn't know uh, Osama bin Laden. He was just at the wrong place at the wrong time and got swept up, sold to the United States for a bounty, and that he had been in Guantanamo for, uh, if you count now, uh, almost uh, 18 years, 19 years, with no trial, with no charges, no nothing. And so I had these two portraits. Mm. And, and what made that even more extreme is that he, in 2016, he had been cleared by the U.S. government, unanimously cleared to go back to his home in Morocco. And yet this guy, despite that clearance, they still were holding him at Guantanamo Bay. And so to me, I was like, there's this, none of this makes sense. Mm. And so I, I was I was just like, there's something here that I need to know more about. And it felt like for me as a journalist, I mean, it was definitely led by my curiosity, but it also felt like, oh God, like like if I don't cover this story, like nobody else is going to cover this story. Mm. And it, And it took years, as you said, but ultimately I made it.
1: So that brings me to another question I had about your story. I appreciate the commitment to, you know, finding this information, being curious, and then taking action. But so often it's just as easy to like, look at the potential road ahead and not take action. Even if you are curious. Yeah, And I think that's what, separ- that's what separates people who don't lead to lead- be leaders. And like, also I define leaders as people that, Influence others, so you don't have to be the CEO or the director sure. of this or executive of that. So uh, that's how I use that language. Yeah, I love the story of it's so humbling. I think I saw it on YouTube. You, you were talking to the graduating class at Dartmouth. Yeah, and uh, you talked about how like you had done some grad work, and then you were looking, sorry, you done some school, looking to do grad work, and weren't really getting accepted to your choices. No, and then uh, one of your professors said, "Well, how about?" this uh harvard's history of science department and doing something there and there would have been a moment of hesitation like do you do it do not do it so what goes on tell me about that that gap between hearing about or learning about something that makes you curious and taking action what's in the middle there
0: yeah to me i mean that's a, a sort of unusual case in the sense that um so it was 2008. The economy was in really bad shape. I also didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, I, I am not prepared to go out and get a job. I don't know what job that would be. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And the places I wanted to go, which were these playwriting graduate schools, they didn't want to take me. Uh, so I was like, I got to do something. And then my professor said, Hey, why don't you do this program? And I was like, history of science at Harvard. I, like, I never, I didn't even know that was a field. But then once once he kind of planted the seed of the idea, I thought, "Hey, that's something I'm actually interested in, and interested enough to kind of what I thought was at the time, like, oh, I'd like park my brain there in a way for mm-hmm. for a year or two until I like, figure out what I actually want to do." And yeah, but 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 to me, I mean, that was that was that was actually just a kind of I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, like that was in a kind of a, a like a calling or anything. It was just like, a, oh God, what do I do? Like I'll. It's like you're being chased down the street and you just duck into a store or something to be like, okay, I guess, I guess here. Um, But, uh, but it turned out being like a a, a terrific choice in part because like, like the thing you were saying before about like taking action on that, on that curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that one of the biggest things I took away from graduate school was how to research. So it's like how to take that question seriously. You know, we all have these questions about so many things and it's like, what do you, what do you do like how do you start and and that can be very difficult but but what i what i learned was okay like like just you know you you got to frame the question a certain way and then you got to you know there's all kinds of different sources. In in if it's a historical question, you know you have uh, secondary sources and primary sources, and there are alive people you can talk to. There are um, you know oral histories, and there are you know just all kinds of different sources. And like, what are the the benefits and limitations of all those different kinds of sources? Mm-hmm. How do you weave them together to kind of make a a strong you know narrative or a strong case or a strong to find that answer to that question that really started you in the first place? Although sometimes by the time you get there you, you realize always oh, like in the original question I had it wasn't even the most interesting question at all. But yeah, I think a real value of grad school was getting the the kind of muscle to follow up on those questions, you know? It's like, okay, here I have a question, but now I know what to do with it.
1: You said something in the in the middle of your answer there that I I really value as well is you you didn't say it in these words, but my interpretation is sometimes you ask a question And you get an answer, but you're not like, oh, maybe I didn't ask that question the right way. So uh, when I'm stuck, I actually take a physical different posture. Like I move my body to kind of help me ask the same question, but maybe in a slightly different way. And that sometimes you end up with a different answer than what you originally even thought you were pursuing.
0: Oh yeah. I think, I think that there, there's a real value in that. Like, you know what I'm sure to people who are not used to this kind of research or work, like it looks like I'm just banging my head against a brick wall, but it turns out it's like, no, no, no. They're like slightly different angles that I'm banging my head here. And and it's actually like, what you realize is that the, the wall is cracked in such a way that like, if you hit your head on this brick wall in just the right way, like this whole wall is coming down. Right. Um, but, but you just have to it, like, you have to ask the right question the right question really like if you frame it exactly right all of a sudden it goes from being you know some cosmic unanswerable thing to being a very tangible thing that you can actually go look up and find out the answer to and you know the line between those that is is sort of fuzzy and sometimes you think you're asking one kind of question and you you actually end up you're asking another one but to me a question is the is the sharpest tool like it's mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where it's like if you have to cut a tree down you in 24 hours, you spend 23 hours and, and, and 55 minutes, like sharpening the blade, you know? Mm. And then, and then, and then it, all you need is then the five minutes to cut down the tree because the blade is the important thing. The question is, needs to be sharp and then you're going to get what you want.
1: I love that sharpen the saw. It's great, um, for listeners who don't know, uh, definitely check out connected on Netflix. And one of the beauties of that show is uh Lative takes different stories and weaves them together into a theme. Uh, to tell a bigger story. But what I find fascinating is individually, some of the stories may not be that interesting and probably have never had somebody even ask them. And I think specifically, I think it's the first or second episode, the woman who researches like ancient human poop. Sure. I often say people's favorite topic is themselves.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. How do you help people who probably have never been talked to before in in a manner like what you're bringing, how do you help them actually tell their story well?
0: Well, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. Um, and especially for that segment. So the, the, the phrase that I would always hear uh, very parallel to what you're saying is research is me search. Mm. It's like there's something personal about it. There's something that has driven you to devote your life, which is, you know, the most precious resource you have in a way like like years of your life to study this. This thing, and it's funny that segment in particular. That scientist, Inara Sistiaga, brilliant woman. It's funny because we were talking, and and this was on camera, but we didn't end up using it. But she eats a paleo diet, actually, ah. which is so funny. Like, and 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 of course she does, right? Like, it it makes total sense. Like, that's what she studies, yeah. and that's what yeah. what what she thinks ah. is the most beneficial kind of diet, right? Um, that's
1: a, I'm so sad that wasn't in the show because that's amazing.
0: I know, I know. I we tried really hard to put it in there, uh, be, but the, just the way that it came out in the interview, it didn't come out in exactly the right way. But it, but it was right. it was amazing. Like it was it was perfect. Like I I actually wanted I wanted desperately to put it in, but it didn't quite fit.
1: Oh man, I feel that. That's my favorite part of the of this of this episode so far. As I learned that information, that's amazing. yeah, no,
0: I know. And she and she's she's wonderful. She's so she's so
1: great. For those again, if you haven't listened, I'll forgive you if you stop this right now and go watch. I think it might even be the same episode. This guy who researches birds in the uh, northeastern United States, I believe. I forget exact Maine, Delaware, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they they literally tell the future it's it's so cool. So stop right now because I guarantee you it is time well spent.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you're a dad. We, before we started recording, we were talking about you have uh, two young boys, I have three boys and um my joke is people say oh you going for a team, I say yes a football team. And um, <laughs> you know, one of the joys of parenthood and we have a lot of a lot of listeners, I know our parents through our conversations when they reach out you so you clearly value like this curiosity and you you've talked about it being a a nature versus nurture thing where we all kind of have it intrinsically in fact i bet if you're listening right now i bet you can remember a time when as a younger person you just had this thirst to like learn or or do something and you would you know at the behest of even of wardings you would go after learning about that thing maybe it was like what's over the fence uh, in this backyard or or how deep is this river or something but I want to ask Latif because you're in a great position to do it right now, and you might be thinking to the future. Hmm. How are you going to promote this value of like lifelong curiosity? Encourage them not to give it up and to remain curious. Or maybe maybe you won't, but I'm imagining yeah, you might. Yeah, no,
0: I yeah, I think that's right. Like I, so, so I do think like just watching kids. Like I do think that we all have this penchant for curiosity, like as as kids, and I do think that like even as adults, I think there are sort of some timeless questions that in a way, no matter who you are, questions about, you know, death, questions about illness, questions about how similar or different you are to other people, to the people around you, to the people across the globe. There are these questions that I think all of us kind of ask, or at least they're they're sort of kind of in the in the in the background noise of our lives, right? and and I think that the the trick is it's it's not about the the drive to have that question. I, I really do think like all of us have that in us. I think it's like how do we how do we foster that? How do we encourage ourselves to take the extra moment of our very busy lives to indulge that and 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 I think a huge part of that, I mean, part partly, I think, it's the way we educate our children. Like we we fetishize answers, you know, when in our in our schooling, the, the kid who's the first to raise their hand to give the answer, the filling the bubbles on the standardized test. Like we, we, we're so obsessed with getting the right answer as opposed to being able to generate a good question. And I think that is like so, Such a crucial skill, and is such an important and lifelong skill. I I think we really need to kind of foster that, um, both in in schools, but also like at at home, and I think even like in workplaces uh, among adults. Like I think there's a there's a real value to being able to. To ask questions out loud and to like share with people, there's there's and it's not just a, a value. Like I think there's also a pleasure in it. Like there's a pleasure that comes from from learning something new, from asking the right question. And for me, in the way that we built this series, the hope is that it feels like every time you know we we kind of you pepper it in with questions, and then sometimes you get answers to those questions, and sometimes you don't, frankly. But when you do it feels like, you know, you're clicking in a little puzzle piece and it just, it just exactly fits. And, and that feeling like there there is a, a a kind of satisfaction that comes out of that, that, that we all have, but somehow we've as adults, most of us adults, I think have forgotten.
1: Hmm. We've talked about a lot. I want to let you get going, but tell me what should people be checking out of yours right now and where can they find it?
0: Yeah, so uh the, the two big things that I'm working on right now are that or that I just I just released really this uh within the last few months is uh one is my TV show, which you can find at Netflix.com slash connected. And that's uh six episodes on Netflix. And then the other thing is so I work for the and I'm regularly contribute to the show Radio Lab. And earlier this year we put out a miniseries called The Other Latif which also, if you're looking up podcasts, you can look for it through the Radiolab feed or through its own feed, the other Latif. And both of those are up and out now.
1: Latif, I want to thank you so much. And one of the big takeaways I've gotten, not only from this conversation, just but from listening and seeing your work is you really see people. You see them for who they are. You are curious to know more about them and truly know more about them. You're not asking questions so that you can set yourself up to then talk about you. And I think (laughs) from a leadership principle, that is such a powerful way to approach a conversation with somebody. So I just want to encourage you if you're listening today, definitely go check out Connected, check out the other Latif of course with the entertainment, but take away that ethos of really wanting to hear and see the other person because that is that is a rare gift which i think can be taught and can be learned and latif does a does a great example of demonstrating that so latif thank you so much for joining us today
0: my, my pleasure really my pleasure
1: i want to thank our listeners to learn more about this topic visit leadingwithnice.com And on our way out, I want to thank the people that helped make this podcast come together. Jeff Anhorn, Andrew Park, Austin Pomeroy. They all are involved in the production of this, and I am so grateful for them. So for Leading With Nice, my name is Matthew Ewell, and we want to help you inspire others, build loyalty, and get results. Talk to you next time.